It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. President Biden prepares to head to Capitol Hill tonight to deliver his first official State of the Union address. The importance of this speech, of course, underscored by Russia's ongoing war against Ukraine, an invasion that's taking place on television screens around the world every night. So what message will President Biden send to America and the world tonight? For more on that, we bring in our panel. Co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics, Tom Bevan. USA Today, Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page, an anchor and executive editor of The Story on Fox News Channel, my co-anchor tonight, Martha McCallum. Hey, Martha, what do you think about Biden's speech tonight and what he has to do, maybe what he will do? Well, obviously, it's his first actual State of the Union address, so that's a big moment. He has spent a lot of time in the Senate and uh, as vice president sitting there watching these. So he has a a rare opportunity tonight to speak to the American people at a time when we're seeing, I think, the biggest story that we have watched unfold in many decades. Uh, I never thought I would live to see a war in Europe that looks like World War II, Um, seeing civilians areas that are being blown up by Russian bombs and the threat in the air of even potentially the use of a nuclear weapon. So it's hard to underestimate the extraordinary nature of what's unfolding right now. And I think in many ways what's happening on, you know, the side of the screen or below the screen is going to be on people's minds, perhaps even more than what the president has to say tonight. But, you know, it is an opportunity for him to speak to democracy, to speak to the importance of helping Ukraine and supporting them against Russia. Uh, And unfortunately, I think it may be a moment that gets looked back on for whether or not it was strong and forceful enough, because he certainly has the world's attention and the nation's attention, of course, tonight. Susan, a barrel of oil uh, went to $106 a barrel today, first uh, highest uh, price since 2014. And some experts are saying it could go to $120 a barrel in coming days. That translates, obviously, to more increased gas prices at the pump, um, above $4 a gallon, likely nationwide, by uh, the end of March. How does this factor in and what the president has to do tonight? Well, I think it it increases the imperative that he faces to explain why Ukraine matters, why Americans ought to be willing to pay more at the pump, pay more for a a loaf of bread uh, because of the sanctions being imposed on on Russia. And of course, that's a it's a tough issue for him because inflation is the biggest issue Americans are now worried about. This, uh, this, uh, these sanctions against Russia are, are almost certain to make that inflation worse. So he needs to be, I think, at his most persuasive. Uh, you know, it's not he, he. He says he's going to take every step he can to reduce inflation, to address inflation. 
but he's got to prepare Americans to accept and expect some level of inflation because of this conflict. Yeah, Tom, how much does that factor in to the politics of this moment? You know, inflation was already an issue prior to what Russia is doing inside Ukraine. And it was already on people's mind. Now it's just supercharged. Yeah, no, it's huge. And look, Biden has basically three audiences speaking to tonight. One is the international community, and that includes our allies in Europe, NATO members. Uh, You know, the Ukrainian president uh, is going to be watching. Putin's going to be watching. So he has that element of it. He has a domestic audience where he has to reassure people that he is on top of inflation. He is on top of COVID. He is on top of uh, crime and some of these other issues that, that have been uh, at top of mind for Americans. And then he's got the progressive wing of his party, right? That he has to continue to think, make sure that um, he will he will give nods to them. Uh, certainly he will mention Katani Brown-Jackson as uh, a historic nomination to the Supreme Court. And so he needs to, he, he needs to reach all of those audiences. Um, but most of all, he needs to project strength and competence because that's where he's really been lacking. People have been questioning whether he's, whether he really, you know, has a handle on what's going on. And so I think the main thing for Biden is, is as he speaks, he needs to lay out a plan that the American people, that all those audiences I mentioned, have confidence in. And he, and he, and he demonstrates that he's really uh, got a good grasp, a good handle of the issues, and he's, and he's projecting strength. Yeah, Martha, he, there's not a sense, uh, talking to senior officials, that there's going to be some big swing for the fences moment. And, you know, one could imagine that he maybe could do that, that he could do a Keystone pipeline resurrection. He could do a oil leases, you know, in the face of the left part of his party, but there's no sense that that's going to happen tonight. Yeah. And it's a question he's keeps being asked over and over. Um, why not do the obvious thing given the situation that we are in, which no one really anticipated. There, it allows him the opportunity to kind of pivot on this to say, look, we have done everything we can to reduce fossil fuel use in this country, and we're going to continue on that in the long term. But right now, we need to make some changes. And I know Jen Psaki has said, well, if you you know turn back on Keystone Pipeline, it's not. It would take a long time for it to have an impact. But the the bottom line is that if you announce that you're closing Keystone Pipeline, which he did at the beginning of his presidency, and that you're going to end Uh, federal leases, new federal leases for fracking in America, that sent prices higher instantly. So if you start to change your posture and say, we're going to reopen a couple of these things, we're going to make some more leases available because we realize it's a national security imperative to be energy independent and world circumstances dictate that this is something we must do now for national security. As soon as he announced that, the oil markets would shift and prices would start to drop because that's what we've seen in reverse when the opposite has happened. So an indication that the United States was going to increase pumping in LNG would would absolutely have an impact. He could also announce that he's going to have new relationships with Europe to, to, to pick up the slack so that they don't have to get their LNG from Russia anymore. All of these things could be very powerful statements. And I'm not really sure why there's a why there's such a hesitancy to to speak about very important large things right now, given what's going on in the world, and to make some news with this speech, to make some changes that are necessary given what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking for a couple of minutes, Susan. We have not talked about COVID. Um, today, I was at the White House. The mask policy is done. It's off. 
Today, Speaker Pelosi announced she will be maskless behind the president at the um, at the State of the Union. And that obviously changed. It's optional for masks in on Capitol Hill. It's pretty dramatic, the, the change, whether the science led us here or politics did. Uh, it's pretty dramatic. Yeah, a change at the White House and Congress and across the country, you know, since that uh, enough Americans now vaccinated uh, the the uh, Omicron variant is under good enough control. People are learning to live with it uh, like we live with the flu as opposed to trying to crush it and eliminate it, uh, which was the attitude uh, for many early on. Um, and, you know, it means that I think President Biden's likely to take some credit for that, but it also means people care about it less. Right. Politics is always about looking forward. So they're less likely to reward you for doing uh, a, a job a good job on COVID than they are to punish you for doing a bad job on the, the inflation they see coming down the pike. So, uh, but I've got to say, just as a human being, I am glad to be able to go out without a mask these days. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that said, yesterday, President Biden was walking across the lawn, the South Lawn of the White House, by himself with a mask on yesterday. Today, the policy changed. Tom, is there any backlash for you know, policies that people say today are just not a factor. Right. Well, I mean, look, the 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 COVID theater, the mask theater that's been going on has become just, you know, it's more and more sort of laughable and untenable, you know, from the Super Bowl pictures. And, you know, Eric Garcetti saying he was holding his breath when he took his mask. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And, and people have come to understand that. I think people also understand that, you know, uh, the, the science, quote unquote, the science didn't change from yesterday to today. It's a political calculation. And and I, I think there it is not a coincidence, although Jen Psaki denied it from the White House podium yesterday, um, that, that, you know, the timing of the State of the Union had nothing to do with the, the CDC's change. I don't think Democrats wanted to be seen inside all masked up Pelosi sitting behind the president with her mask on, uh, because that would send a signal to the American people that that you know the American people are are exhausted by COVID. They they are ready to move on, and and I think the Democrats finally got the message and are trying to move along with them. Yeah, and and that all factors into the economy, Martha. And I think a lot of the speech, while it's going to lead with Ukraine, is going to factor into trying to convince people that the economy is in good shape despite what they're paying at the pump and what they're paying at the grocery store. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's amazing, right, how COVID sort of, it, it almost, you could feel it kind of disappearing uh, after a couple of events when you saw some Democrat governors dropping the mask requirements. And then when this sort of uh, sucked up all the oxygen in, in the world, at least for now, what's happening in Ukraine, it, it gives this president an opportunity to sort of shift away from something that has been very difficult for the entire country and very, very frustrating for a lot of parents and schools. All of those are issues that did not work well uh, for Democrats, and they are looking forward to moving on from it, no doubt. And there is an opportunity here for the president to be seen as a strong leader on Ukraine. Um, it's difficult to do just given some of the basic practicality of the fact that we have said we are not going to put boots on the ground. There's not a lot of um, patience or understanding for that at this point, given the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which just was such a short time ago. But, you know, it, it's um, I, I just keep going back to this, you know, sort of 
pivot possibility, which we talked a lot about when the president gave his big news conference, that it, it was a moment when you look at the poll numbers to kind of take them and, and turn them uh, with some very strong stances. And it just it feels so far like the president's reluctant for whatever reason to, to do that, to be that guy. Um, he wants to sort of keep things, keep things from rippling. And um, and I, I, I expect, you know, based on what we're hearing, that we're going to see more more of that tonight, which is less of it. We'll hear from our panel after this. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Last thing, Susan. Do you think Ukraine, how the U.S. is dealing with it? Obviously, we're making drawing a line in the sand that there will be no U.S. troops or U.S. assets used uh, to attack Russia uh, for fear of World War III. Uh, but we're shoring up NATO forces next door and we're providing weapons and, and, uh, and money. Do you think how you, uh, the U.S. handles, how the Biden administration handles this factors into politics, that it somehow moves the needle in some way w- when people look at this? Yeah, I absolutely think it could. And it's not so much that Americans focus a lot on foreign policy as a general rule. They do focus on something Tom mentioned earlier, which is whether the president's a strong leader. And one of the most damaging things to President Biden politically was the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Well, if this situation, which is of such political, geopolitical consequence, if that's handled well, if he emerges as the leader of a united NATO, of a, of a powerful response to the invasion and to Vladimir Putin, seems to me it goes a, a long way to helping his reputation. We had a USA Today Suffolk poll that came out this week that showed Americans by two to one said Biden was not a strong leader. That I think was the biggest red flag for the president in our entire poll. And that is a perception that could be changed by his handling of the situation. Tom, last word, 30% for independence in that ABC Washington Post poll. You've got uh, 29% saying that the country's on the right track. Those are dismal numbers ahead of whatever, seven months away from an election. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, everywhere you look, you look at the direction of the country, you look at the generic ballot with Republicans leading there, you look at Biden's approval rating uh, overall on individual issues among independents. I mean, it's just everywhere the Democrats look, it's it's doom and gloom. Um, and the prospect of even, even if Biden uh, manages to navigate the, the Ukraine situation uh, and recover some standing, you know, the, the flip side to that is Democrats are still going to be going to the polls in November, probably with, you know, four or five dollar gasoline um, and, you know, the highest inflation that we've had in, in 30, 40, 50 years. So um, they're going to take a beating. There's I don't I, I think a lot of that stuff is even though we've got seven months left and things can change, some of that stuff is already baked in. And Biden has to do you know, he has to be able to to win back some of these independents. Uh, while also keeping his base energized. And that is is very tricky. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he how he tries to pull that off. Even tonight, uh, there is a speaker after the president of the same party <laughs> on the mm-hmm. left and one from the moderate side of the party 
I'm not sure that's happened for the same party of the State of the Union. Uh, the Republican response is from the Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds. Okay, panel, thanks. Now for a bit of history. March 1st, 1872, Yellowstone became the world's first national park after it was established by Congress, signed into law by President Ulysses S. Grant. The park is known for its wildlife and many geothermal features, especially the Old Faithful Geyser, one of its most popular. park sits squarely over a large active volcano. That'll do it for this week. You can see more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Martha, Tom, and Susan, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.